when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kingsley, for reading our passage for this evening. Good evening. I'm Rima, if we haven't met before. I'm one of the Aldlands here, um, also on the evening services team. And it is wonderful um, to be together. We, we gather together um, as the people of God this evening. Let's pray before we get into our passage. God, we thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us and that you have revealed yourself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word that we can know 
more of who you are, more of your love. And we pray this evening that we would know more of your love and that we would respond to your love. We pray, Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be open to your working this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Jago has mentioned, we started our new sermon series last week, Food for the Soul, um, looking at um, encounters that Jesus has with people in the Gospel of Luke at mealtimes. And Jesus loves eating dinner with people, as we're going to see through this series. He loves spending time with people, having conversations with people. And in our passage this evening, Jesus is at a meal again. And this time he goes to a Pharisee's home. But this time, there is a woman who follows him there. And even though meals were hosted in a much more public way in this culture, in this time, usually in somewhere like a courtyard, this woman would not have been on the guest list. Now, over summer, um, I went to a couple of weddings. Maybe you went to a wedding too. And I, I love weddings. I think they're really fun. Um, I love the dancing and the food, seeing people's family and friends all together in the same place. Um, but I've, I've got to be honest with you, there's, there's one thing that really stresses me out about weddings. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you and share it with you. There's one thing, and it's when you get your wedding invite and you have to work out which bit of the day you're invited to. Now, I don't know if anyone else identifies with that. Maybe you do. I can see uh, some smiles. Um, you know, am I invited to the evening? Am I going to the whole day? And I've got these images in my head that I'll turn up at this meal and my name isn't on the table list, and it'll be really awkward. And I'm just standing there, and I've got to leave because I'm not supposed to be there. And in our passage this evening, this is, this is more than this is just a bit awkward, that there's all this woman which has turned up, but it's all right, we'll just pull up a chair. Okay, this is, this is much more than that. This, is, this woman in this passage is someone that people did not want to be associated with at all. Verse 37 describes her as a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. This woman had a reputation. She was known for being a sinner, known for, be, for having a sinful life. She was known for being the town harlot, for engaging in sexual activity to earn her living in the world. Seduction causing a breakdown in relationships in her own life and the relationships of other people's lives. And this woman, she interrupts this meal. She goes to this Pharisee's home where she knows she's unwelcome, so unwelcome. She interrupts the meal because she just has to see Jesus. Because there is something different about Jesus. 
who is this Jesus that she so desperately wants to be around? In verse 49, we see after the the guests at dinner, they see the events that have unfolded. They have heard what Jesus has said, and they ask this question, who is this who even forgives sins? Who is this? And this is a question that people are asking throughout the Gospel of Luke as they encounter Jesus Christ. Who is this man who eats, who spends time with both Pharisees and prostitutes? Right, what is this account doing in the Bible? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of all, the Holy One, allowing a prostitute to draw close to him, to touch his feet, to cry at his feet, to kiss his feet. It's hard for us in our Western mindsets to get our heads around just how crazy this would have been. Imagine a church leader Maybe it's the Archbishop of Canterbury. Imagine he invited you into his home for dinner. And in walks a lady, mid-30s, heavy makeup, cheap perfume, and she's, she's wearing a tight crop top, a short mini skirt, and she takes off her jacket and starts to give him a back massage. Now we'd all be thinking, what on earth is going on. How does he know this woman? What is she doing here? Why is he letting her do this? And what is going on in this passage is even more shocking with Jesus being a rabbi in Israel. Jesus allows this sinful women to cry at his feet, to wipe her tears with her hair let down. This would have been an unthinkable thing for a woman in Israel to do in this time. Women would usually have their heads covered with their hair let down only for the most private, intimate settings. But she does this in a public place and Jesus allows her to pour this alabaster flask at his feet, anointing him. And we see now, when we read this passage, we see this beautiful act of worship. But for the people at this dinner, it would have been considered completely inappropriate. But Jesus lets her do it. Why? Why does he let her do it? It's because he loves her. Despite her reputation, despite the things that people say about her, think about her, despite her sin, he loves her. And he sees her heart, and he knows that she is responding to his love, that she's pouring out her love to him because she knows his great love. And in this passage, we see Jesus show his great love in two ways. And the first is this. 
He forgives the failings. He forgives the failings of this woman. Her sin, her mess-ups, all the things that she's done against God and against other people. Jesus says in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Now this woman, she knew that she needed help. She knew that she needed saving, a way out. And this is very different to Simon the Pharisee in this passage. In fact, Simon and the other Pharisees, they think they're doing pretty well, that their traditions, the the law that they've kept, Simon thinks actually he's morally superior, that he's nothing like this woman. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, that's everything that has happened at this dinner, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You can imagine how Simon is looking on at this scene, at this woman with disgust, like she is worth nothing. Simon sees her sin, her debt, but what Simon is missing here is seeing his own sin. He doesn't see his own debt. His pride gets in the way. And so Jesus tells this this parable in the middle of our passage, verses 41 to 42, to show Simon that he has a debt. And this is what Jesus says, that there are two people who owe money, one um, 500 denarii, that's Roman coins, the other 50 denarii. And neither of them have the money to pay the moneylender back, but the moneylender forgives both. Jesus is showing Simon that this woman, she, she has a debt, but so does he. Simon also has a debt that he cannot pay for himself. He also has sin in his life that he cannot pay for himself. And Jesus is the only one who can forgive him. And it's the same for each of us. We all have a debt which we cannot pay for ourselves. We have all sinned. And we all need the forgiveness of Jesus. Now, in our current cultural climate, sin isn't really a concept that exists, right? We can, we can do whatever we like, really, as long as we're not hurting other people, as long as we don't get found out. And even if we do get found out, even if um, we do hurt other people, as long as it's for our own good, for our own self-expression and our own authenticity, It's kind of all right. Self-justification is not an uncommon narrative in our society. And it's easy for us to be like Simon, to compare ourselves to others, to justify ourselves. On some level, we think things like, I'm not that bad. I'm not a, a lying politician. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not that bad. I'm not like my friend who's addicted to drinking. 
I'm not that bad. I'm not a prostitute like the woman in this passage. But are we really being honest with ourselves and with God? Do we recognize our spiritual condition? You know, sometimes I think we can filter the mess that's really going on in our hearts, in our minds when we come before God, that we're not entirely being honest with him about what's going on under the surface. Because we think that he wants a mess-free life from us. That we can be like the Pharisees, doing the right thing on, on the outside. You know, we're coming to church, we're serving on a team. But on the inside, there's other stuff going on beneath the surface. In verse 39, it's easy to miss the small detail that Simon's judgment about Jesus and this woman was going on in his heart. It was going on in his mind. Verse 39, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. He thought what he was saying was hidden, but Jesus could see it. Jesus knew what was going on. When I was um, a kid, I used to love playing hide and seek in the dark. It was one of my favorite games, maybe my, my favorite game, actually. Um, and us trying to hide our sin from God, it's like we're playing hide and seek in the dark, but we're standing in the most obvious place and we're wearing glow-in-the-dark clothes. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I know I do it, try and hide stuff from God, but God can see it and God's the only one who can deal with it, right? You know, that, that resentful thought, jealousy, selfishness, lust. God is the only one he can save us. God is the only one he can deal with our sin. Now, for, for some of us, we can't see these things. We can't see the sin in our lives. And like the Pharisees, we think we're doing just fine. Let's ask God to, see, to search us, to show us where are the ways that we're not living in his way. And for other of us, others of us, we are very aware of our shortcomings, that actually we, we feel guilt and we feel shame. And can I encourage you this evening that the Christian life isn't about being trapped in this, but it's about freedom from this. That actually pride and shame, they're not that far from one another because they're a focus on ourselves and not the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Give your failings to Jesus. And we see this so clearly in this passage. This woman falls at the feet of Jesus, bringing herself, bringing her sin, her shame, her guilt, and she worships him. Jesus forgives 
her failings, and he offers the same to each of us. There is certainty, hope, and assurance in the love of Jesus Christ. He forgives the failings. And this forgiveness that Jesus brings, it is complete, it is whole, it is amazing. There is no one too bad to be saved by Jesus. There is no one too good to be saved by Jesus. We all need his forgiveness. The second way that Jesus shows us his love in this passage is that he sees the sinner. When the people at this dinner, these guests, are viewing this woman like she's an outsider, like she's, she's the lowest of the lay, Jesus looks at her with eyes full of love. Have a look at verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Do you, do you see her, Simon? Do you see her like I do? Jesus, his case is full of compassion and renewal. There's a Japanese form of pottery called kintsugi. Some of you might have seen this before. Um, this picture of a, a bowl on the screen here. And... Um, it's really amazing. The person who's working on this will take um, the broken pieces of um, some sort of pottery, like a bowl, um, and put the pieces back together using powdered gold or powdered silver. The love of Jesus is so great. It is lavish. It is restorative. It covers our sin. It heals us. And in his love, this woman and you and me, we are seen like that bowl. His love covers our failings, our mess-ups. And we are restored in a new way. This evening, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, that doesn't define who you are. Don't discredit yourself from, from belonging to God. All for short, but there is no one that the love of Jesus cannot reach. When we give our sin to Jesus, we are forgiven, and through the lens of his love, we are seen in a different way. And this doesn't mean that we carry on sinning, right? This isn't cheap grace. But we are transformed as we know the riches of his love. And not only does Jesus see this woman, he sees Simon. And we've already talked about how, um, how Jesus has um, shown him what is going on in his heart. We've already looked at how Jesus sees what's going on in Simon's heart and in his mind, in verse 39. How Simon's 
pride and prejudice are preventing him from seeing his own sin, the sin in his life, and recognizing Jesus as Savior, for he who truly is. And Jesus points out Simon's failings. He points out his lack of hospitality, so that he sees that he needs forgiveness, that he needs a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. Jesus sees the sinner. He sees the sinful woman. And he sees the sinful Pharisee. Jesus wants Simon's heart as well. But Simon can't see his need for Jesus. Let's make sure that we don't make the same mistake. And when we know how much we have been forgiven, when we begin to understand how much Jesus loves us, our response is worship, that we love him, treasure him, cherish him above all else, that we ascribe worth to him. And we see this in this passage with this extravagant act of worship. Jesus says to Simon in verses 44 to 46, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. This woman is so captivated by Jesus, so thankful for his love, so grateful for his forgiveness. Her heart is moved by all that he has done for her. And so she just, she just has to pour out her love, her affection, her devotion at the feet of Jesus. So she falls at his feet and worships him. She worships him. She pours out, pouring out this alabaster flask about the equivalent of a year's wages. She pours it out at his feet, pouring out her, her tears, her kisses, not concerned with who else is around, who else is at this dinner. She just wants to worship Jesus. And this is costly and what she brings, and what she offers. It costs us something. Would our worship be the same? When we offer God our songs, our prayers, our hearts, our lives, would it cost us something? Would we not bring an offering to God that costs us nothing? It would say, beautiful last week to see um, the person who's leading our prayers in this service just had her heart moved by God. She just began to cry as she was praying. And what had been going on in her private devotion as she'd known God's love, that overflowed as she was leading publicly in public worship as she led us in prayer. Let's not be afraid of emotion 
When we think of all that God has done for us, how could our hearts not be moved? When we think of all that God has given us, how could we not give him everything? This woman in this passage, she worships Jesus. Jesus, who has paid her debt. Jesus, who has forgiven every sin. Jesus, who has seen her, who has saved her, who has given her a new life. Taking her from being known as this woman who is a sinner. And now we look at this passage and we see that she is a woman who brought a sacrifice. He has totally renewed everything for this woman. And so her love for Jesus is great. Verse 47, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. She has a great love because of what Jesus has done for her. She has a great love. She worships Jesus because of what he has done for her. He forgives the failings. He sees the sinner. And we know this on the cross of Calvary. As he saw each of us, as he's forgiven each of us, pouring himself out. Jesus loves in the greatest of ways. He loves each of us. He loves you. So would our response be a life of worship? Amen.